paper cups inside the plastic cups. Welcome to Plastic Cups Inside Paper Cups Inside Plastic Cups. My name is Dennis Wilson, and this is... Omar Rabadi. Hey, Omar. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, ready, ready for it to cool down a little bit. I think this has been the hottest summer I've ever been through. Living, lived my whole life in Pennsylvania, and I'm pretty sure this... I haven't felt the summer this hot, so... But otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I, yeah, it is. It is hot. I was. I guess I was feeling the same way. It seems like it's been ridiculously hot. Um, can't really take the dog for a walk during the day. It's just too, too darn hot. Um, so yeah, looking forward. It's going to be rainy this weekend, but I'm not necessarily sad about that. So yeah, it'd be look good to cool off. But overall, enjoying the summer. It's been um, you know all 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 said, all given. Um, still pretty fun summer. So you know, trying to make the best of everything. Cool, cool. So last time we talked on the podcast, you were 39, but you're 40 now. So happy 40th. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure out. all our listeners right now are saying happy 40th once they hear this to you. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all good. You know, had a good time. Uh, went on vacation um, and uh, did a lot of swimming and um hanging out in the sun and having some drinks. So all good. Wanted to play a, a little time game with you. Dennis at 10, Dennis at 20, Dennis at 30, Dennis at 40. Would you be up for that? Sure. It's like a, kind of like a Christmas Carol type of thing. Something like that. Something like that. All right. Dennis at 10 years old. Where did you want to go on vacation at 10? Hmm. I don't think my horizons were very broad, so... Um, you didn't know vacation was a thing. Well, no, I knew vacation was a thing, but, like, the destination, the possible destinations weren't very uh, distant or diverse. Um, so, you know, our family used to go, our extended family um, used to go on, take vacation altogether. Uh, where our family on our mother's side owned a bunch of land. We all had like little camps on it. Um, so that's what we did every summer. And it was like two weeks straight, um, which is crazy because a lot of people don't really take two weeks straight in the summer, but it was like all my mother's like brothers and sisters would take like two weeks and we didn't have a phone. So that's even crazier. Like we went um, like two weeks without a phone. Like if we had to make a phone call, we would, drive to the convenience store, which was like, like three miles away. Um, so that was like, I guess that was like the thing I wanted to do at 10 years old. Cause I would, you know, we would just hang out with all the cousins and have fires and shoot off fireworks and hang out in the woods and stuff. So that was pretty much the dream vacation when I was 10, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is exciting to when you're that age, just to be amongst your cousins and a big group of people, especially a far like a you know that type of destination. Yeah. All right. So next up, Dennis at twenty. All right. Let's go with this. What was your 
favorite bands at 20? At 20. Okay, so we're talking... Um, so this would be the year 2000. Yeah, but I, I'm just like, I was an undergrad. So it would have been, I was, I was in like junior year of undergrad. So um, favorite bands were probably like, I think I was getting into like the Flaming Lips then. Um, but like favorite bands were still like probably, you know, The Doors, big into like Tool, you know, a lot of the classic rock stuff like Allman Brothers. I'm trying to think if there's anything specific in that time frame, but yeah, I would say Tool was one of my favorite bands then. What is it about Tool that you like? Um, yeah, I don't like all their stuff. Like their first three albums, I like a lot, but they were like they're kind of like a thinking man's metal band, I guess. You know, their their lyrical content was pretty far out there. Um, like their second album was a lot about like pain and abuse and kind of how to transcend that. And the next, their third album was really, it's called Enema, um, was like even going further in this notion of like kind of opening up your, your mind, um, questioning everything. So they were kind of like, you know, they were writing in, it's kind of like in the vein of like the six, like some of the sixties bands of like opening your mind and stuff like that. Um, and then confronting, but like in a more kind of edgy way of like confronting your dark side and your darker, like the hum, darker impulses of human nature and, and from confronting your fears and pain and stuff like that. So um, I thought it, I found it like really, you know, it was pretty empowering stuff, uh, especially when you're like, you know, 18 to 20. Cool, cool. What Tool album would you recommend to people who haven't listened to Tool before? Yeah, I think it's it's their third one, Enema. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, because that's I think that's the pinnacle of their creative output where they were making music that was, like their songs, some of their songs are like seven minutes long and they're, prog- it would, you know, kind of progressive rock uh, vein. There's still like ch- challenging songs or like, lengthy songs without being kind of like pedantic and, and too like proggy and, and, uh, and like academic, I guess. So, and the, the lyrics are great in that. That's just like a, to me, that's like a perfect album. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, cool. that's, for, that's funny. for our listeners who don't know, what do you mean by proggy? Well, like prog rock is progressive, like progressive rock or prog rock is like, you know, where you deviate from the standard structure and and length of like, you know, first chorus, first chorus, bridge, chorus, you know, like 90% of songs are like basically that, um, of pop songs. And, and the song length is like two and a half to four minutes or two and a half to three minutes, because that was what like singles and radio airplay had traditionally been. So, um, and they usually like, they employ like, um, long songs, um, you know, songs that shift in the, um, the, the tempo, uh, time signatures and stuff like that, which is like most songs are pretty much, you know, a handful of chords and very templated approach is most pop music. And when I say pop music, I mean like most rock music, most classic rock, most alternative. Like, so it's like, you know, bands like 
early Genesis and Yes, and you know, you could put Pink Floyd underneath that as well. Um, but I think you know, sometimes prog rock has like a negative connotation um, because it's kind of like, um, like overly complicated. Like we're like a lot of prog musicians seem to think that the more complicated you make a song, the better the song is. Um, so like, so that's you know, that's up for debate, I suppose. Yeah, you know, what's kind of interesting about that is I remember when uh, electronic music first started to become popular, but electronic music was just as catchy and repetitive as like pop music. They weren't doing what, you know, the thing you could do with pop, with electronic music that you can't do or is much harder to do with actual instruments is you can do anything. You can go from any sound to any other sound, any tempo to any other tempo but typically people don't really like listening to it what people like are hearing you know they hear something in the beginning of the song then maybe it repeats and they're waiting for it to repeat and right. i guess pr prog rock was kind of was it was cool in the way that it was trying something different but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are gonna connect with it if it's if, if there's no repetition, if there's no feeling of like, okay, it's coming back to that sound I like. Yeah, I think it takes a certain kind of listener who wants to like, it's not like a lean back, it's kind of a lean into it and like think about the music and listen to it. Like, and I'm, I'm not saying that's bad, but it's, it's definitely a more academic kind of approach to music that most people take and that you're thinking about it as opposed to just like feeling it and passively listening to it. Um, so, yeah, and some of it, you know, so a lot of prog rock I don't like, but, you know, I like Rush, like Pink Floyd, Tool, I guess, if you consider them prog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say Pink, I haven't listened to much Rush, but Pink Floyd, I'd say probably a mix, I guess, between prog and whatever we would call the opposite of prog, I guess, pop. Yeah. Because uh, they definitely have a lot of catchy songs and songs that are, proggy but then they sort of come back to the hook that was in the beat. yeah they have songs like wish you were here or money yeah. which are like standard pop rock hits their songs and then you have like on the same album wish you were here you have like a um shine on you crazy diamond which is like a 10-part suite over the course of two sides of an album so it's like yeah they, they did both pretty well cool cool all right, Dennis at 30. What were you doing for a living at 30? Oh, 30. Um, yeah, I was working as an editor um, for a, a, a Swedish consulting firm that owned media uh, properties in the U.S. They were called Universum. Um, and I ran the, we produced uh, publications online and print for job seekers. So advice on finding jobs in certain mark, uh, vertical industry verticals, um, how to you know, create resumes, how to interview, um, and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, I was doing that at 30. For, and then I eventually got uh, laid off from that job a couple years later, I guess. Okay. Dennis at 40, what is a place that you look forward to visiting that you've never visited 
if such a place exists? Um, Italy, um, we were supposed to go, uh, we got married last year and we didn't go on our honeymoon afterwards and then we were going to do it this year. Um, and then, you know, we kind of were adjusting our, our plans because Italy, we wanted to take two weeks. I wasn't sure I could take two weeks and then the pandemic hit and all that went out the window. So, um, I think, um, you know, we'll probably do Italy in 2021 if possible. Um, yeah, so that would be, that would be the top of the list. I, and, and I mean, there's plenty of other places I'd like to go, like Portugal and Vietnam and other places like South America. But I think that that's, I mean, that's Italy's at the top of my list, Bo's list. And I think it's probably going to happen in the, in the near future, whenever it's possible to travel again. Cool. Cool. There you have it. Dennis through the decades. <laughs> yeah. I heard this term um, for travel called revenge travel for people are like, they can't travel this year. So they're like, Oh, in 2021, I'm going to like take a three week you know, trip through whatever, whatever. Um, I'm not exactly sold and that's going to even be possible next year. I don't know if we'll be doing international travel and it will be depend on how that country is faring, I guess. Um, but and also how America's faring because right, they might not let us, still, let us go there. Yeah. yeah, they might not let us leave. They might not let us in anywhere. Right. There's that. <laughs> All right. Uh, you might be tired tired of talking about yourself at this point, but you told me a pretty funny story a couple of days ago. Would you mind telling the story about why you <laughs> called the police for the first time in your life? Oh yeah, like um, there we were. Um, it was the middle of the night, basically, like three thirty in the morning. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. This is what yeah. I was hoping. Yeah, and for. so um, yeah, there. They had, somebody started like making a lot of noise, like power washing it, the sidewalk in front of our condo building, and I was like, all right, well. I, at first, I didn't know it was power washing, but I was like, okay, it's going to go away. And it didn't. I looked out. I'm like, there's so many power washing. It was like four. Then it was like by 4 a.m. I was like, I'm going down there. And I went down and talked to them. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're power washing, which was obvious. I meant like, who? who, who? It, well, it was a, this, some sort of contractor. But I, 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 at first, I thought it was just the restaurant downstairs had, had paid to, to do it. But it seemed like I saw them the next day in the, you know, in the afternoon doing across the street. So I guess maybe either the neighborhood association or the city paid this contractor to do this power washing. Um, and so, yeah, I went down there. I was like, yo, why are you, what, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we got to do it now. And he said they had to do it now because there'd be so many people walking in the sidewalk during the day. And we're in a pretty neighborhoody neighborhood you know, it's not like there's a lot of foot traffic, so that's not really the case. So I was like, all right, I'm, you can keep doing it. I'm going to call the police. And so I called the police, and the police showed up, and there's like three cop cars, and they just talked to them for a while, and they, they power wash until like like 7 in the morning, which is pretty ridiculous. So what do you think happened there between the cops and the guys? Did they bribe the cops? Did 
they because you can't you're you're not allowed to do that type of work after I think 8 p.m. in Philadelphia. So it's not like they could say, "Hey, look, we have a permit," or whatever. You gen, at least I could I could be wrong. Maybe there's some sort of weird 3:30 in the morning exception. But I don't know. What do you think happened where the cops showed up? But then, do you think they just kept working after the cops left? No, they the cops there would I, stop. I think, I, I'm guessing it was. It seems like like because they were doing more than just one property. That it was some sort of city sanctioned, um, you know, effort. And so therefore, maybe they did have some sort of you know because sometimes they do do construction during the night when there's not traffic and. If, you know, if there's a water main break, so there there are, I think, exceptions, uh, exceptions to some of those things. So, I'm assuming that they're like, yeah, like we have, you know, we're here on the city's behalf, and the cops are like, all right, you know, um, if it was just like one, like if it was like one of the commercial storefronts that was adding them just some random contractor, I think they would have doing it. They would have shut them down, I believe. But I don't know. Yeah, who knows. <laughs> All right. Uh, should, we, should we get to some mailbag questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the first one, and I was even hesitant, like, should we read, read this question? Because it's a little bit out of line, but let's, let's go ahead. So this is from David Asselone. Glad that's not my last name. <laughs> yeah, right. Who do you think is the true identity of Jensen? For those of you who haven't listened before, Jensen sends us a lot of mailbag questions. Uh, so I don't, we're not into like revealing, we just assume Jensen is Jensen, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I take, I think we take people at face value. So I don't know that, I don't know why Dave is who we know. We know Dave. So I don't know why Dave suspects that it's um, some sort of false identity. Yeah. Maybe he's just watched too many, one too many movies, partly lives in a fantasy world, you know, did he, um, he thinks everybody's has a metaphorical mask on. I don't know. I don't know what the deal with Dave is. Well, did he, did he, um, did he add anything else that he, why he believes it to be a false identity or did he, he did he venture any uh, guesses? No, no. He just put, who do you think the true identity of Jensen? Um, well, I think we need more. I mean, Dave, I guess we could explore that, but I, I don't have a reason to doubt it. But now I have to wonder, is Dave just like trying to throw us off his scent? Maybe he is Jensen. Right, that's a good point. Dave could be Jensen. Right. Yeah. And Dave wait, does seem like Dave might not know he's Jensen. He could have like a split personality issue. Like he kind of falls into Jensen, his Jensen personality, without, and, like, without knowing email. it. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's why he's. That's probably why he's so desperate to know who Jensen is because. It feels so familiar to him. Yeah. Like well, yeah. So maybe we, maybe we should have Emma, his wife, um, from Cemetery Talk, um, monitor Dave's nocturnal 
comings and goings to see if he's like sleepwalking and you know writing emails yeah yeah be a fun video to watch that'd be a fun <laughs> video to watch all right uh next mailbag question this is this is from jared jaramushi i've been a lifelong sports fan but it's getting harder and harder to connect with sports here it seems like they're just owned by billionaires who don't really care that much about the team they could just leave the city at a moment's notice and take the team with them. Further, they hold cities hostage, demanding public funding of arenas. Why don't sports teams, sorry, why don't cities just own these sports teams? Wouldn't that be a solution? Wouldn't it help people just connect more with the team if the city actually owns it if the citizens actually have ownership in the city um so i mean there, there's a lot there so i don't i don't necessarily I, I i agree with the kind of the underlying sentiment that you know sports has become so commercialized um you know and there's less of a connection with these with the players to the the, the team and the team to the community. So I get a lot of that. I don't think that um, cities owning the teams is any solution. Cause if you think that teams are poorly managed now, which they are by these billionaires, then I think that would be a lot worse if cities tried to do it and wouldn't be able to compete. You know, if they ran it, like they run the city, they wouldn't be able to compete with, you know, unless they were all, all, all the sports teams were owned by cities that, they wouldn't be able to compete on the market um, because they wouldn't be able to run the, the, the business properly. And I guess that speaks to like my sense of how well um, a, a city could run a pri- what has traditionally been like a private enterprise. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. So I understand the emailer sentiment and I also understand your concerned that cities wouldn't be able to run the team properly. What about a middle ground where you don't have, just the league owns all of the teams and like assigns different general managers that act independently of each other? I don't know. I kind of like, I think that even would get away from, it would become even more commercialized and corporate if you went that route, because it'd be a singular, it would, there would be even less um, uh, a connection to the individual cities and communities because, you know, it would be like kind of like the overall strategy would be developed in uh, headquarters somewhere in like New York City or something. And um, there would be like less and less connection to the, the, the like the, the people on the ground would have less autonomy to, um, do the marketing and sales and whatever initiatives um, on their own. So I'd be, I think it would become even more watered down. I kind of, I think there's actually kind of a cool aspect of having this kind of balkanized approach where there's all the, like they're individually operated within this kind of association kind of. So I don't think that would actually get to what was this Jared, you know, what he has in mind, you know? Jared Jardimushi. Um, yeah, I mean, you could you could have 
like each team, like there's a separate office in each city. I don't know if that ameliorates the problem at all, where they're not all just in one central headquarters. But I hear, I hear what you're saying. Like you probably have a little bit less innovation and a little, you know, you wouldn't have as many, you know, like any, take any sports league right now, you have 30 different owners from different walks of life and different ideas, and they've been successful in different types of businesses. And maybe, you know, they're bringing different ideas to the table. And when you put them all together, they come up with new ideas. And, you know, that's, but there's also a lot of owners who just don't run teams that well, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at running a sports franchise, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like, I'm actually kind of obsessed with um, like the earlier eras of like, especially basketball because basketball is like so young, you know, the NBA rather. Um, And so like, it, you know, only when did it emerge? When did the ABA and the NBA merge? That was like late seventies, right? Yeah, somewhere around yeah. that. So like, it was kind of like, almost like, well, like that movie Semi Pro with, um, with Will Ferrell. Like, you know, very low budget. You know, very every kind of co- team was like kind of doing their. You know, they would show like they would do like these like halftime promotions to get people into this into the arena, um, and like the designs of like the, 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 the jerseys and logos were all kind of like all over the place. Um, so I actually like that. And that's even, that's kind of going the other direction of what Jerry was uh, proposing of being like, that was when it was very localized. So I think that that's what, you know, if you want to get back to that, like find a way to um, ensure, like maybe you could find a way that ownership needs to be, localize more or something like that, but like, and, and, and create more autonomy in the individual franchises. Um, but I do like that era. I think it's like, when there was like, you know, the Rochester, New York team, like small market teams and stuff like that. I do think that there could be, I've always thought this, that there could be a way to bring back that kind of like an alternative league, like a semi-pro league. Um, you had to find the right sport and the right opportunity, like the right timing to be like, yeah, this sport has become so corporate. And so like the team, the, the players just shift around and the, 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 the owners have no relation to the city that you could find a way in to create some sort of um, semi-pro league that could catch on with like, like a hipster type community. So I don't know how, what that, how that would actually take place, but I, I like the idea of having a, a teams that are really, kind of more just about the city and not just like big money. Yeah, there have been independent minor league baseball teams. There was one in Camden where they would just sort of take on all comers. Uh, I do remember when I was a kid, there was some sort of, and not NBA, there's some sort of basketball minor league that wasn't like connected to the NBA. Uh, I yeah, I think I, I don't know if that's still around, um, but there was in where I grew up the Albany Patroons, which was actually where I believe Phil Jackson got one of his early coaching jobs. Um, I don't think that they're around anymore, though. 
So that's probably yeah. the same type of thing. Yeah, there is the NBA's uh, D League, but that's directly con- owned. Those are owned by the NBA teams. Um, yeah, actually, they're still around. The Albany Patroons um, are a professional basketball team that play in the Basketball League, and its its acronym is TBL. They actually use the T in it, so it's the Basketball League. Very creative. Um, oh. it's, it's operating in North America. So, all right, maybe that's already out there, and maybe you and I should start supporting that. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of basketball, the NBA season started – Today, this game's going on right now as we speak. Sixers will be on Saturday. Happy to have live sports back. Yeah, I think it's um, – I don't know about broadly live, live – I, I guess I don't watch that many sports, but glad to have the NBA back. But, yeah, no, I think it's some sort of um, – it brings back some sort of sense of normalcy, I suppose, as long as it doesn't get shut down like baseball does, did. Um, but, yeah, definitely for, uh, you know – uh, for basketball, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to the first official uh, start game with, with the Sixers on s- Saturday. Um, you're, are you pretty pumped? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it, I, it is sort of like being excited with a little bit of a dark cloud over my head and everyone else's head. But, yeah, it's it's sort of a weird feeling. But I'm definitely excited to have basketball back. It's nice to – you know, I was getting kind of sick of, like, flipping through the TV channels, and there are, like, these games from this year. And it, and it's like, ah, why would I watch a game that just happened two months ago? Maybe if it was a game from, like, 1950 and I didn't know who won the game, maybe that would be fun. But it's definitely good to have live, live sports back. Yeah. Okay, last, last mailbag question. Interesting talk about the TV show Billions last week. I also like that show. I was wondering what you two dudes would do if you had a billion dollars. And please, other than give money to charity or help people, it's enough grandstanding on this show without my question contributing to it. There's enough from Pop. Jesus, like some of these, I don't know, some of these... um... Yeah, the questions are getting more combative as time goes on. Uh, yeah, combative. That's the word. Last Because last week or the week before, yeah, last week I think it was, they were calling us boomers. Um, you know, we can take it, but. Yeah. What was, what was the name of the, the questioner? That was Bobby Axelrod. Oh, oh, that's, we know that's the character from Billions. So the show Dave, Billions. Now yeah. that's, that's, that could that be That could Dave's be Dave, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would, um, I would quit my job. I would, wait, am I winning a million dollars or getting a million? What was the details of that? Uh, he doesn't specify, but let's just say you're the same person. You didn't, you didn't become some sort of ultra crazy uh, in, investor who's working a hundred hours a week. Let's say yeah. you're you're the same person. You maybe you just won the lottery or a great yeah. aunt. You inherited so, it from a great aunt. Yeah, that's that's good. That's like, yeah. So I would quit my job. I would hire a financial advisor to help me manage it and reinvest it, and then I would buy um, a house, a big house with, and build a studio in it, and then I would hire. Um, session musicians to be on call 
whenever I wanted to jam. <laughs> what about cool, you? Cool. Uh, I'd probably buy, yeah, I'd probably just buy a house without cost for like how much it costs on like, not that I don't like the house I live in, it's fine, but so maybe something a little bit uh, cooler, but, or maybe just have this house fixed up a little bit. I'd probably get a personal chef to like, not cook in my mm. kitchen, but just to bring me lunch and dinner four or five times a week. Just order takeout as much as I want. <laughs> uh, the other times, I mean, I might cook once in a while, but probably not. Uh, have, that's a good idea to have a chef. To, I mean, um, that's why you would want a bigger place so you could have like um, quarters for the chef because, you know, you, you never, yeah. you, you don't have to be like, oh, on a schedule, you want them to be like ready to cook you a meal. So you'd have to have a place with chef's quarters. Yeah. Uh, what else would I get? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe some nicer, maybe some higher-end instruments, guitars. I, I don't even know if you can hear the difference. Like, my guitar teacher swears that, like, you can't really hear the difference between a $1,000 and $10,000 guitar, but... Yeah. Whatever. If I have a billion dollars, what's the difference? Oh. Well, you could buy a lot of different kind of, kinds of guitars. You could buy. Yeah, I could, I, I could have a hundred different guitars. Just so, so if I get bored with one or just want a slightly different sound. Right. I'm yeah. Trying to think. Fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What else? Uh, I don't know. Maybe just in general, just. Wouldn't hesitate to get expensive wine if I felt like wine, or it's ridiculously priced craft beer more often. Yeah, I mean it's the same kind of. It's like a guitar at a certain point, like um, you know, there's like or with whiskey. There's like whiskey that costs a, a ton of money, but after about after a hundred dollars, you can't you can't convince me you can taste. It's not it's not about the, the quality of the whiskey. It's more about the uh, scarcity, and that's pretty much yeah. the same with wine and stuff. All right, so should we get to some main topics or anything else on? Did anything in the last couple seconds come to mind that you'd do with a billion? No, I, I, I'm going to think about it some more. Okay. But, yeah, it's pretty straightforward for me. And, and yeah. also just, like, I mean, I guess it's not buying something, but I, I travel. I go to Italy for, like, a year. <laughs> yeah. All right, so our first topics. topic. Yeah, our first topic of the week is UFOs. Now, it's kind of weird to say that because there's probably people listening who are like, all right, they've gone off the deep end, they're crazy people, or they're just joking. But it's really neither of those. This is like legit reporting that, and I want to get this quote right, because this is one of my favorite turns of phrases in the history of the English language. Off-world vehicles, not of this earth. Now, let me, let me set this up a little bit. Let me set this up a little bit. In 2012, the federal government, through the military, admitted that, yes, we had a program looking at UFOs 
but we shut it down in 2012. And nothing really came of it. You know, yes, we did see UFOs, unidentified flying objects, but none of those UFOs uh, were, you know, were anything like for aliens or aircraft from another planet. They were just things we couldn't identify at the time, but we eventually could figure out what it was. But the program was shut down in 2012. Now the New York Times is reporting that this program wasn't really shut down. It was just slightly shifted to a different department. So it is still ongoing. Mm -hmm. And there is a, let me read this. In some cases, early explanations have been found for previously unexplained incidents. Even lacking a plausible terrestrial explanation does not make an extraterrestrial one the most likely, astrophysicists say. Now, does that make sense to you? Lacking a plausible terrestrial explanation does not make an extraterrestrial one the most likely? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Because it's most likely something that is not, you know, naturally occurring, right? It's not a rock or a tree or an animal. Um, the most likely scenario is that it's man-made, in other, in other words, made by humans that inhabit this earth. So I don't think because we can't explain it because we're not familiar with how it was um, produced that we assume it was produced by some, some entity outside of this, this world. So that, 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 that makes sense to me. Okay, so let me read you another part. So Eric Davis, who's an astrophysicist, who was a subcontractor and a consultant for the Pentagon's UFO program since 2007, said in some cases, the materials, it was determined that the, that the materials they found, we couldn't make it ourselves. And then the money quote, also from Mr. Davis, who now works for the Aerospace Corporation, off-world vehicles not made on this earth. So he's saying we found off-world vehicles not made on this earth. What's important about this quote is it's just not material. You know, he specifically used the word vehicles. Right. Wait, so this is, he's referring to not something that was cited, something that they actually ha had the, the vehicle in possession? Yeah, so he worked, he worked for, for the Pentagon, and he was briefing, uh, he, was give, he was giving a classified briefing to a Defense Department agency on his own, his own findings, basically. The findings, and this is based on a aircraft or vehicle that they had in possession. I mean, yeah, the, the article's not crystal clear, but it's... Yeah. I thought it was... I, I, I read some article related to that. I thought it was referring to the video, and they were making the assumption it was a, 
without the, the, the you know that they were based on the video of it that, that it was a off-world vehicle um that would be very different than you know looking at actually having a vehicle and inspecting it and be like whoa this is not technology or materials that we even have here so uh, yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty sure from the article it's the latter it's he yeah. worked as he worked as a consultant for the Pentagon's UFO program. And this was yeah. him this was him giving a briefing on his findings. Huh. Well so yeah. I've I've never been a person to believe in UFOs or aliens. It even feels weird saying the word aliens, but but this I wouldn't say this convinces me, but it at least puts me in like the 37 category as into the like, the idea is just kind of crazy. Not that I don't believe it's possible or even likely that there are other planets that have intelligent life or non-intelligent life, but the idea that something was able to come to Earth now kind of seems not crazy to me. Like, have you thought about this, wrap your head around it? Has this, or do you, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that there are alien life form, um, but the, you know, the thing is like, we know that, for us to, we've like, you know, we've put out our feelers to the degree that we can. We set, you know, Mars probe and other things far out into the solar system. And with our level of um, technology, we know that it's, we haven't found anything and that to find something would be tremendously difficult because, you know, we, we feel pretty fairly confident within our solar system that there's no, you know, uh, humanoid life. So for an alien to traverse whatever it takes to get to our our world, they would have to have such um, advanced technology that, that would they just be like kind of trolling around up in the sky? What, what would be the purpose of that? They would clearly be able to observe us and or do something, land and take over the, like what would be the purpose of just like at a hovering over the ocean somewhere it seems kind of like most likely that it's more like a foreign entity um is spying on us like foreign country as opposed to an alien like i don't know why they would just be kind of hovering around and well they could be collecting information like they could be like well there's this there's this new planet there's people and other animals on it uh, let's sort of use our technology to pick up sound waves, to take images, to take video clips. Yeah, I, I just think that it's still like, you know, I saw that video and they're like, oh, what is that? It's like moving totally against the laws of what we believe to be the physical capabilities of an aircraft. Um, I don't know. I still looked like a pretty close approximation of what our... Um, aerial vehicles are yeah i agree with you I, I agree with you as far as the video clip goes but i don't think this article isn't talking about specifically that. Okay. about yeah that video clip this 
guy was paid to distinguish the difference between, uh, you know, what what's a possible yeah. off-world vehicle and on-world vehicle. Well, I mean, to take him at his word, then that's crazy. And he's confirming there's alien um, life. Um, I'm just like, I guess because I'm so skeptical of the possibility that I don't really necessarily either take him at his word or that he even knows what he's talking about because I don't know what the U S government or other foreign countries have in terms of technology. And what if he's just not privy to some crazy, crazy stuff that's going on um, by some covert parts of the government. Um, so it's either tremendously wild um, but again, you know, he's not, this is not coming from like an official government statement. So either he's just, he's attesting to something totally wild and there are aliens or um, it's just like, he has, a, he has kind of a myopic view on what are actually our uh, capabilities are. But it's, you're right. I think it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's not like just some Yahoo you know, it comes from a, a pretty interesting source. Yeah. So is it possible that the government has always been telling the truth that, about aliens and UFOs, and now they're lying to us for some reason? Is that a possibility? You mean they've been telling the truth that they... That there aren't, that there aren't aliens and UFOs, but now for some reason they want us to believe it. Oh, so they were telling us, telling the truth, but now they want us to believe it? Yes. Um, that was my thought is that it's sub, it's like, it's a cover for um, something that might have gotten leaked from the government's, U.S. government's um, you know, R and D and that they're trying to kind of create a cover cover up so that maybe the other countries don't think we have some crazy technology. I, that's what I would, I think is, I, I don't know. I mean, I have to, I'm going to have to look, look, read into that, read about, I, I did read some of the article that mentioned the off world vehicle, but um, I would think that would be a more likely scenarios if they were like trying to throw like China off the scent of something. Hmm. It's an interesting what about, idea. What about you? Uh, I, my, my guess would probably be, yeah, I don't know, maybe some foreign country is ahead of us technology-wise, and we just have a hard time believing that, and maybe what we recovered. But I just, I just don't understand. Like, this guy seems like he should know the difference between something that was plausibly made on this earth, something that's not plausibly made. Like, how far ahead of us would whatever foreign country have to be with technology that he looked at something and said, this is a vehicle that in no way, shape, or form was made in a foreign country or by a foreign government? I don't know. I'm just going to say I believe it's off-world vehicle. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, 
this guy was consulting for the U.S. government. So clearly he's, if the government didn't want him to talk about it, he would, it would be highly classified and they wouldn't let him talk about it. So the reason that the fact that he is talking about it means that the government wants him to talk about it. And therefore, given the track record of the U.S. kind of like always saying, oh, there's no possibility this is the, the you know, um, the, it, it leads me to be skeptical that it's genuine because I think if he's talking about it, then it's basically a, I would consider it a government, you know, communication because if they didn't want to talk about it, he wouldn't. So maybe I'm just, you know, just very skeptical, but I think it's a essentially. Yeah, he doesn't work. He doesn't work for the government anymore, but I still see your point. Like he signed, he probably signed whatever saying you can't talk about any of your findings without our permission. Yeah, because, okay, so if he's making the assumption it's off-world, he therefore needs to have such a high U.S. government clearance to know what is the most advanced um, technology in this space. And therefore, they would never let him talk about that. So either he doesn't know what the highest level of our technology capability is, or he does and he would be under like an NDA classification. So to me, it doesn't, it, something doesn't add up. So I'm, I'm skeptical. Yeah, I don't know. I'd definitely like, like to know more. Uh, what, let's, let's say like you had contact with an alien, that, whoever crashed this vehicle or sent this vehicle, what would you ask? What would I ask? Yeah, would, let's just I, say. I would ask, like, what is he? Did he? Does he have prior knowledge of like our culture and our way of being? Um, to understand whether like he's just like here on exploratory mission, um, or if he's like, oh yeah, we we already know. Like we've like we've like we've inputted all the knowledge of the internet and all the books and everything, and we totally get you guys because that's. That's what I think, like, an alien that would have the technology so advanced to get here, which would be so advanced what we're capable of, they would just be able to, they would know all about us before they got here because they would have such advanced technology. So um, I would ask that question to try to ascertain, like, um, in the off chance that it's just like, oh, I just landed on this planet, like, it's flying around like Superman. Um, so... That would be my first question. And then I'd be like, all right, so what do you guys think of us? You know, or like, you know, do you have an opinion? Do you have opinions? I don't know if I guess you were making an assumption that they could communicate, which I would assume also that they could communicate because they're so advanced, they would just be able to like implant like English language into their brain. So um, yeah, it would be like, what's your opinion of us? And so I'd try to be like, uh oh, are we in trouble here? Or, you know, um, or they, they come in peace. Yeah, do you think, all right, l l let me ask this. Would you prefer a world in which we find out, we find out definitively that this really was an off-road vehicle or a world where we find out this guy was crazy or just wrong? Like, which would you prefer? We find out this is true or we find out this is not true? So do I want to, do I want there to be aliens or, or not? So like the 
one side would be like, well, that'd be cool because it means there's like such a broader world out there that's beyond our earth. And so it would cause us to kind of like reevaluate like our entire existence on this world because it means it's like, okay, we've been very focused on just this one thing. On the other hand, it would kind of undermine the exceptionalism that we believe that we're like the only like really sentient beings in the universe. Um, and so it would make us feel less special. Um, I would prefer, I guess, the prior. What about you? Which one was the prior? Which one was the prior? I forgot. The, okay. the prior would be that confirming that there is like off-world, there's aliens, basically off-world vehicles and aliens, and therefore um, cause us to kind of like check ourselves and be like, oh, like maybe, maybe the biggest problem isn't, um, you know, uh, Russia or Iran. Maybe it's like maybe we have. Um, it could be serve as a unifying um, and reevaluation of of more of of values. Kind of like fighting the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. Exactly like fighting the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely. Right now, I would say no. We have enough problems to deal with. That's maybe true. once, maybe once things calm down, uh, you know, we're months into a vaccine for COVID nineteen. I'd say, sure, let's let's have a little bit more mystery in our life. I don't want to know too much. I would like it to just be confirmed that hey, it's been confirmed that this is an off-world vehicle, and. But we don't know much more, just because I feel like we need more mystery in the modern world. Yeah. All right. So aliens, if you're listening, which I assume you are, because I'm assuming you're absorbing all communications and information, um, you know, just hold off for 18 months. Yeah. Unless you want to come on this podcast. That's yeah. the one exception. You can... <laughs> in which case, hit us up at uh, Plastic Cups Inside Paper Cups Inside Plastic Cups at gmail.com. Yeah. All right, next topic. Unless anything else to add, or should we go to the next no, topic? No, I think we're good there. Okay. Last week, we got a really good question about the history of the term in a pickle. Right. And uh, at the, off the top of our heads, we had some ideas of what that phrase meant, but we didn't, or the history of that phrase, but we didn't know Precisely. And this week, the situation is kind of similar. I did a little bit of research on the matter, but it's kind of murky. There's I did a lot of issue, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of disagreement about the history of this phrase. So, uh, should I go first or do you want to go first? With no, you go you first. You probably did more research than me. Okay. So, Pickled, this is one theory. Pickled is a old English word. I shouldn't say old English as in like, not modern English, but old English from like when William Shakespeare was still alive. Yeah. Pick, pickled was an English word for drunk. Uh, apparently this is in a couple Shakespeare plays and, you know, being drunk is kind of akin to being a, in a bad situation without your wits. Uh, being drunk isn't always 
that, but I guess it is sometimes. So I don't know. That's one theory that mm. being in a pickle is kind of like being drunk. So if you say you're in a pickle, it's kind of like, even though you're not drunk, you might as well be drunk because you're not <laughs> as capable as you normally would be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The second theory was there's a Dutch word, pekel, which basically means to sit in the pickle brine, which I guess if you're anthropomorphizing pickles, you would say that's like an uncomfortable situation to be in where you know, you're just stuck there and it's not feeling good as things are being done to you. Yeah, it's like as you're acidic. It's not a, it's a hostile yeah. environment to bacteria. It's like, it's a tough, it's a acidic and, and very tough environment. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, so that's the second theory. All right. The third one is my, kind of my favorite of the three. And it's kind of similar to number two, but the idea is when something goes from whatever it was, whether it be a tomato, a cucumber, a Jolly Rancher, a liquid, into a pickle, the things, things are being done to it and it isn't doing anything. So it doesn't have control over what's happening. Mm. Outside circumstances have control. Hmm. I, I heard another variation. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah, that like so like um, like there's just like um, pickles, like not like your standard jar of cucumber pickles, but like back in the day, it'd just be a mishmash of different vegetables, and it's just like they're kind of just like you're just tossed in there, and it's just like you're all mashed together, kind of. Um, so it was it was just like yeah, it just kind of like thrown together. Ah, yeah, yeah. That kind of, a little bit goes along with, I'd say, two and three, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's interesting. I think it speaks that, you know, the, those, whatever, I don't know which one's true, or probably it's kind of, a, could be a mixture, but it seems like we've been treating pickles pretty harshly. Yeah, yeah. They are... And it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like there are a lot of phrases like this where we all say them and repeat them, but we, we don't really know where, where they come from. And it's, you know, it's kind of fun to trace back yeah. the history of it. So if there's any other phrases I think we should get to the bottom of, listeners, let us know. We'll look into it. Thanks to Cousin Pete for helping out with the research on this one. Woo-woo. So uh, last topic, a quick one, but since you like billions so much and you wanted another recommendation from me, I really wanted to go for two for two, so I didn't want to give you a recommendation on the spot. I gave this a little bit of thought. What show did I like that I think Dennis would also like? So I'm hoping you haven't seen this already, but have you seen or heard of the show Rectify? No, I've never heard of that. Okay, so 
Good, good. So it was the first ever Sundance Channel original show. I don't people might not even be aware that Sundance is a TV channel. Yeah. But uh, it's a it's a really cool show. It's beautifully shot. Like you can tell it's not shot in some soundstage in Los Angeles. It's shot in the South. And I'm pretty sure on location in Georgia. Uh, maybe some other spots in the South, but everyone has either a convincing or an actual Southern accent in it. It just, you kind of really feel like you're in the small town. It's about someone who has just been released from prison. I think he's in his early thirties. He had been in prison for about 17 or 18 years on the charge of murder. He gets released because new evidence, new DNA evidence is released, but he's not, exonerated of the crime. He's let out of jail because the conviction has been vacated, but it's not like, it's not like he's in the free and clear. He, he knows there's a good chance charges going to be brought against him. But what's really cool about the show is it's just kind of like a psychological drama about him re-entering society. I feel like there's so many movies where there's the wrongful conviction the guy gets released, and then there's just jubilation and celebration. Where in this case, it's about the psychological horror and trauma he he underwent and his attempted reintegration into society. Hmm. And yeah, so it's, a, real, it's a real, it's a real, a real news slapper. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a. Uh, it's definitely a dark show, but there's, you know, there's a lot of humor in it. There's, uh, it's, it's one of those shows where, like, it's easy to follow. There's no weird, complicated plot twists. I think, you know, your wife, Bo, can look down at her phone half the time, look up, and still kind of, <laughs> like, enjoy what's on the screen. Uh, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a great show. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. I think... I think you'd probably enjoy it. I think listeners would probably enjoy it too. And wait, what's it called? Rectif- rectify? Rectification? Rectify. Rectify. It's on, it's on Netflix. Okay, it's on Netflix. And when, yeah. did this sh- when was this show released? Came out in 2013. There were four seasons of it. I think it's only about six to eight episodes a season, something like that. So it's not too, too many episodes. It doesn't you know, keep going on and on. Cool. I'll, I'll check it out. Um, I actually have a recommendation for you, I realize. Oh, cool, cool. Um, it actually comes by way of Cousin Pete, um, Californication. Um, so I, ha- I have seen Californication. Okay. Yeah, so I started, we started watching it hmm, only about a week ago, I want to say. Already through, like, halfway through season two. Um I like it quite a bit. I, I, I don't know. I feel like it came out so long ago. And like, I don't know. It was like back in those days of like early days of like I Lost and some of those shows, like the early days of like kind of these good TV series. But I never, I guess the name was kind of dumb, I always thought. And I didn't really think much about it. But then Pete recommended it. And yeah, it's like got a lot of, um, you know, rock and roll lifestyle and rec and and uh like references and stuff and um i like it quite a bit 
Yeah, I like it too. I will warn you that it is one of those shows that goes on way, way too long. Like, I think the first two seasons are pretty good. I think there's like nine seasons of it. Showtime is kind of famous for never ending their shows. Yeah, there's seven or eight seasons, but yeah, I I could see that because um, there's a bit of repetition to the main character, Hank Moody. Yeah. Um, But so far, I'm I'm still very much into it. So um, Pete mentioned he liked three and four, I think the best. So I'll ride it out for a while. Um, But right now I'm, I'm still in the, in the falling in love phase, as it were. Yeah, and the main character is Fox Mulder from uh, X-Files, if there's any X-Files fans listening, which I, I think I watched a few episodes here and there. I never got super into it. but I, It was really good for, like, network television of the era. Yeah. I remember watching it, you know, you know I guess in middle school maybe, um, and there were some episodes that were, like, really good. And some that I was like, eh. Yeah, I kind of want to get back into it, though, after my new rekindled interest in off-world vehicles. <laughs> yeah, I know. you're. <laughs> next thing you know, you're going to go to, what's that place in New Mexico? Roswell, New Mexico? Roswell. Apparently, <laughs> speaking of Roswell, so put whatever Uh-oh. stock. <laughs> put whatever stock you want to put in this, but apparently Donald Trump Jr. was interviewing his dad. This is in the New York Times article, and senior Donald Trump Sr. was saying uh, there's some interesting stuff I saw about Roswell. And his son was like, would you like to expand? And he was like, I'll have to think about that. So, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean... We don't trust anything else, he says, so I don't know why we would do this. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I was on a Bigfoot kick for a while. Uh, and we'll have to save that for another episode, but I'm not, I don't know, not for nothing. Uh, Bigfoot is pretty interesting. I'd love, to, I'd love to do a topic of Bigfoot. Okay, let's, let's come back to that. <laughs> let's come back to that. All right, uh, anything else, or should we... Yeah, probably wrap there. We're a little long in the tooth. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody, to Plastic Cups, Inside Paper Cups, Inside Plastic Cups. Inside Plastic Cups. Farewell. Farewell. Peace out, everyone. What 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 am I going to do when the aliens get here? Austin is powered up enough to fill that landscape. 2.7 in the cockpit. Chemicals rise to Saturn and Cross. From the Mercury astronaut, George Austin. From, 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 from the economics, liberation in Boston. Massachusetts protected by the Army and Red Brets. Special effect units, navigational training. Four altitudes, three compulsive rates. Phoenix, Arizona, Yelona. Aliens looking in my face. Reserve Marines. Coming in, coming in. Coming in, coming in. The grayish blue pine sauce that we flowing. The highway that night, the orange beam coming down was right. Truck stop, not a myth. Remember that light. The orange beam, not a myth. Remember that light. Observation, not a myth. Remember that light. You've been abducted by gas.
ready. Steam full engine. Service space. Satellites. Watch check the parking lights. Connect the inputs in. Protected by steel. Copper and tin. Gasoline thrust. 17.10. Observation. Aliens. Aliens under frustration. Kamikaze gear. Security information. Close your window. Send men out the post. Hold your location. Look around. That's right. We moving up downtown. Closing in. Hosing in. That's right. Dozing in. You moving stop. the heat, we come frozen in. Stop, stop. Coming in. 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 Coming in.